What's going on, Rough Golfers? Welcome to episode number 38 of the Rough Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope everybody's having a great golf-filled day. Today we're going to be talking about the Full Swing Netflix documentary series and uh, if it's good for golf. Okay, I've got a lot of stuff to talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about how mental golf outweighs the physical side of golf. And we're going to mention a little bit about the PGA Championship, the upcoming PGA Championship, and a few things that uh, we can look at and talk about there. So, full swing. I know that probably most of you have seen this show. If you have not, it's a documentary series done by Netflix highlighting the inside lives of professional golfers, both on the PGA Tour as well as the Live Golf Tour, because this was kind of the, the year where Live Golf came out and uh, there was a big battle between the PGA Tour golfers and the Live Golf hopefuls that eventually went over to this new tour. Now, a lot of people say you should never meet your heroes, okay? And I think that uh, for me, some of the stuff that I saw on Full Swing was a little bit surprising, shall we say. Because, you know, you think that these golfers, these professional golfers, when you see them on television, I mean, they are just, they've got such a presence when they're playing these professional tournaments, it just looks like they're unshakable, you know. Yeah, they get mad, they may throw a club or something like that every once in a while because they're upset about a bad shot. But that happens to a lot of us in golf, you know. You know, Some of us can't afford to throw very expensive clubs around, but I guess if you're sponsored and you get it free, you can act like a baby sometimes. But you don't want to, uh, you know, think about how these golfers that seem somewhat unhuman because they can play such great golf are actually just regular guys like the rest of us out there. And Full Swing did a good job of showing that. I mean, it definitely detailed their lives and it got deep into their emotions and their feelings about how their game's going, what their future holds, where they'll be in 10 years, you know, how many tournaments they've won, what that means about their golfing career, what golf means to them, you know, on a grander scale. And it made me question whether or not knowing your favorite player is a good thing or not. You know, I really enjoy um, watching Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth play. Okay, I, I like their their uh, two different styles of play, and I like following along their story. You know what I mean? And when I saw the first episode of Full Swing uh, was centered around Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, I was really excited, you know, because I wanted to know more about them. But as I got to know more about them, I realized that, you know, they have just as many uh, concerns and doubts about their game as some of the commentators out there do when they play poorly. So that kind of surprised me because, you know, you see these guys performing at such an elite level and you think, oh, they're, you know, they take a bad round like, you know, they, they swat a fly. It's nothing to them. You know, it just, it's, it just happens and they move on and roll with it. But there was a lot more to the story when, you know, example, Justin Thomas was questioning himself as to whether or not he was a great golfer because he, you know, wasn't able to win more majors. You know, luckily he won the uh, uh, PGA Championship and that added another major to his um, 
total wins, but during that episode, or at least during the time they were filming, he was very concerned that, you know, maybe he wasn't a great golfer, which is just ridiculous because honestly, any golfer out there that can play, you know, I would say that honestly, any golfer out there that can play the Corn Ferry Tour or the PGA Tour or Live Golf is a an amazing golfer. I mean, how hard it must be to, you know, go through Q school or go through a Monday qualifier and make it to an event and actually play good enough to be competitive in, you know, professional golf. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, you know, a scratch golfer is a, is a great golfer. And they are, you know, scratch golfers are great golfers um, on the, on the scale of things. And I want to say like fewer than 4% of the total amount of golfers in the world are scratch or better. So that, you know, says a lot about scratch golfers, but professionals are just a whole nother level, you know, and even at those, on those development tours, uh, PGA tour, Canada, Latin America, uh, corn Ferry tour, these guys are still really, really good golfers. And it takes a lot to get onto those tours and to stay on those tours, which is the big thing. You know, anybody can sign up for a mini tour and play and have a handicap of, you know, 1.4, whatever, maybe, maybe you're a zero scratch golf handicap, whatever, and you can play, but being competitive, that's a whole other story. So these, these professional golfers, it's hard to believe that they still had these, you know, doubts and things like that when they seem so darn good on television, even when they shoot a 74 in a professional tournament, you're like, gosh, this course is, you know, this is a 7,400 yard course with impossible bunkers and lies, and they're still shooting 74. That's, that's amazing, guys. It really is amazing. But does that statement, you know, hold true that you should never meet your heroes? And obviously, I've never met uh, some of my favorite professional golfers out there. But um, actually, I met one. I met David Duvall at a um, tournament that he did in Maryland one time when I was a kid. I was like 12, maybe. And he was just, he was playing really, really well. Him and Tiger were we're both playing really well. Tiger was not at this championship, but uh, I met David Duvall. He had a terrible round, and he just wanted to get out of there, man. He didn't want to stop and talk. He didn't want a handshake. Um, I was able to get his autograph, which I thought was was very nice of him, considering that uh, he did not have a great round. But I actually remember I had a, a Nike hat that I gave to him steps before he got into his little shuttle car, and, and they drove off. He took the hat with him, continued walking, was sitting in the shuttle car, signed his name on it, looked at his friend and said, why do I have this hat? And then threw the hat back out of the shuttle car to me. And I caught it. I mean, that was pretty cool. Obviously, you could tell he was very upset because of the situation with, you know, not uh, posting a good score at that particular tournament. But still, um, you know, I kind of, he was kind of a childhood hero for me as far as golf was concerned. And, uh, he just, he didn't have a great day. So you could see that, you know, he was obviously human too, but, um, is this a good thing for, uh, people to get to know their favorite players even better? You know, I mean, do you, does golf need more of an internal understanding of what players are going through is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make the sport better to know, hey, they have these, uh, you know, faults or they have these doubts about their game or they have these concerns about their future in the game of golf. Does it help you or does it make you feel like you're getting more 
of an experience with these professional golfers than you would if you just say watched them on television. You know what I mean? And just saw their play out on the course. I think it goes, you know, it's different for each person, I would say. I don't necessarily like to hear that some of these golfers that I thought were, you know, amazing and, you know, kind of sharks on the course have such doubts, you know, but I guess doubts keep us grounded as humans. And that way we don't get ahead of ourselves and our game, you know, gets totally lost because we think we've got it and we don't have it. So I don't know. I'm still up in the air as to whether or not the full swing series is good for golf. I think it's definitely good in the sense that it helps people who probably have no interest in golf whatsoever because watching golf, let's be honest, it's not the most exciting thing unless you've been raised up in the sport and you've learned to love it and you really know, hey, this is a difficult shot or hey, this is just a routine shot. Um, you know, certainly when the playoffs happen, like with Liv this past weekend and uh, what was it, Cam Smith, Brandon Grace and uh, Dustin Johnson in Oklahoma, how they had the uh, playoff and then, <laughs> you know, abruptly before the playoff uh, started, um, the major networks shut it off and went to pre-programming for their uh, television slots. And then, you know, live golfers who are fans of live golf had to basically hop on the app real quick or go online to try to see the last little bit of the uh, playoff there, which was ridiculous. But, you know, does the full swing series help uh, golf does it promote golf? I think it does in a way for some people, mostly people who haven't followed along with golf or professional golf. But um, I don't know how I feel about, you know, really getting to know the the players that I follow. I just don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting outlook, but I'm still digesting uh, everything. So um, in the full swing golf, I realized that, uh, you know, a lot of the commentators and the contributors on the series were talking about how, um, when you're performing at an elite level and you have all of these elite level golfers, the mechanics that vary from one golfer to one golf to the next are, uh, you know, minute. They're so small that you, you really wouldn't, you know, see a difference. And I guess what I mean by that is every professional golfer out there on tour has the ability to play great golf. I mean, they know the swing. They've hit thousands of balls. They play hundreds, if not thousands of rounds in their lifetime. So they know golf. They know the rules inside and out, top to bottom, back and front, whatever. They know it. But it's the mental side of golf that, that separates the champions from the really, really good professional golfers that never quite make it to the winner's box, circle, stand, whatever you want to call it. The green with the T, whatever you want to call it. They don't make it to the winning podium position. And I wonder, you know, what mental exercises or what uh, mental preparation these professional golfers go through to get them to uh, taking home the W. You know what I mean? So most golfers, we have muscle memory for golf. We, we know how to swing. We know how to hit certain shots. You know, if we want to knock it down or punch it out or try to chip it high or whatever. We know how to do some of those shots. You, obviously, you remember how to putt and all that stuff. So that's the physical side of golf, which you know. You, after years of practice, you will muscle memory yourself around that course. But then comes the mental strength side of things to deal with pressure. That first tee shot when you're teeing off in a tournament, whether it be a weekend four-man scramble with your buddies, 
and you've got you know a few people watching even on a shotgun start when you've got three people watching and it's your buddies and you want to hit a great shot or you're you know playing in an amateur tournament or maybe even you're you're trying to qualify for a professional tournament or you're playing in a professional tournament either way you've got to learn to deal with that mental strength that mental pressure excuse me to you know make a good shot to let your muscle memory take over and just say this is another golf swing on the driving range or out on a practice round or anything like that and it just I wonder how the pros are so can so easily do that, should I say, you know. And one of the episodes covered Joel uh, Damon and um, another one was Brooks Kepka. And, you know, Brooks Kepka, first off, he won a ton of majors and looked like he had a, you know, fantastic future in golf ahead of him. Still does. I mean, he's still a fantastic player, but you could see that he was seriously concerned about how great. Scotty Scheffler was okay. I, obviously, Scotty was winning like back to back to back, and that really uh, shook Brooks Kepka up a little bit. And uh, of course, he's on Live uh, Golf Tour now. But you want to say to yourself, like, dude, you you're one of the top professional golfers in the world, and you know, no one, no podcast, no golf show that's talking about the best golfers out there is going to skip your name. Uh, when they're talking about, you know, the top players that they want to see, you're, you're in the ranks. So why are you so concerned? But, you know, I guess it's about legacy. It's about tradition. It's about, you know, uh, trying to get better with each, um, tournament that you play. So it was surprising to see that such a great player has such serious doubts about his ability, because you can tell a lot of it is coming from, um, mental fortitude. Early on in that episode, he talks about how people told him he was never going to make it. He was never going to be a professional golfer. And he turns around and wins four majors. You know what I mean? He works really hard. So it was almost like having that, having somebody tell him no, inspired him to get so good that he showed his true potential and won those majors. And now that he's won those majors and he was golf's top dog for a while, it's almost like you know, people have backed off and they said, oh, well, you can, obviously. And I wonder if he just needs a little push mentally to say, I need to get back on top. I need to realize that I am that good. I was that good at one time and I am that good still. I just need to, you know, push through this mental wall that I have to get better. And the same for Joel Dahman. I mean, this dude can play some serious golf, but he is so self-deprecating. I mean, he just does not believe that he can actually do what he can do with a golf ball. I mean, you saw in uh, that episode, he, you know, was not far away from winning a major. He just had some issues towards the end that prevented him from taking home the W. But still, dude can play. I mean, he's, he's on the PGA Tour. I don't care if you're 150th or, uh, you know, on the money list or whatever, or you're number two on the money list. It doesn't matter. You can play great golf to get to that that level of PGA Tour <clears throat> ability, you can play great golf. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a mental thing. That's really what it is. My grandfather used to say, putting is mostly mental. And I agree with him. It really is. If you believe that you have the ability, you tell yourself, I know how to swing. I know how to hit. been doing this since I was four. or been doing this for two years now, whenever you started golf and you believe that you can make the shots that you are trying to hit, you are likely going to see a higher success rate of making that shot or making that ball go into the hole with your putt than you would if you say to yourself, 
I'm not really that good. I mean, yeah, I can hit a ball now and then, and I've, I've had some good rounds, but I'm not really that good. When you're telling yourself that, that's going to kick you out of playing good golf. You need to believe, guys. You need to believe that you can do it, even as, as silly as that sounds. If you put yourself in the proper mindset and tell yourself, I can make the shot, I can do this, I've done this before, I can do it again, you're going to see better results. Positive. There's a lot of studies out there on the power of positive thinking, and I'm not going to get all crazy weird on you or anything like that, any type of mystical stuff, but I'm just saying having positive thoughts helps you out. You know, if you've ever been, let's give you an example. If you've ever been at a workplace, okay, where this used to happen all the time to me. I worked in several garages, and you know when uh, things weren't very good, we used to say this job sucks. You know we don't we don't have a we, no cars are coming in. We can't make any money because as a mechanic, you turn what they call um, flat rate hours, which is basically every job that you do has a certain amount of hours that are attached to it. Like an oil change was 0.3 of an hour. If I made ten dollars on an oil change, or excuse me, if I made ten dollars an hour, that means for every oil change I did, I made three bucks. So, you know, I didn't want to do a lot of oil changes. I wanted to do stuff that paid really well, but that I could get done quickly so I could make more money. Everybody wants to make, you know, good money to provide and, and uh, you know, have a good life. But uh, we used to say that the job would suck when we were getting just straight oil changes and, and no big jobs. But then on the opposite end, when we were flooded, we would say, man, this is awesome because we're making killer money. And I noticed that the times where the job would, you know, suck, as we would say, we were all down in the dumps. You know what I mean? We were all negative. And that whole negative thinking, even guys that were happy uh, coming into work, you know, maybe they had a good night last night or whatever. They come into work and the second they'd start, you know, two hours into it, they were negative as well. And it just brought the whole mood down and the whole day down. And I think that is showing, you know, it showed me at least that negative thinking will cost you a lot. And the same thing happens out on a golf course. No matter what shot you hit, you got to have a positive thought and a positive mindset to keep moving forward. You make a bad shot, turn it into a positive and make an excellent second shot or next shot or whatever. Keep going, you know, don't stop. And that power of positive thinking will help you get through the round and hopefully help you play a really great round. And I think that's where some of these professionals would benefit from you know, I guess they'd go to a sports psychologist or some sort of amazing golf guru that could help them, you know, get back into the positive mindset of, hey, you are really good. You have the ability to do this. Just focus every single time you go out on the course, tell yourself that you are going to uh, win no matter what. You know what I mean? That you're going to get out there and you're going to play fantastic. I heard on another, I don't know if it was a podcast or if it was a, um, a video that I was watching off of YouTube, but talked about how uh, Seve Ballesteros actually had um, some sort of sports psychologist or something tell him to record him announcing his win at the Masters and listen to it over and over and over again. And he did that and actually won the Masters. And the, the, the whole part behind that was that the pressure was removed from that event because he had told himself, he, he brainwashed himself to actually believe that he had already won the Masters, which made the actual event, you know, next to nothing in terms of, of pressure, you know, how much pressure he was feeling on the tee, because in his mind he'd already believed that he'd won it. 
So, you know, that might be an extreme example. I'm not saying go out and get yourself a recorder or whatever. I'm not saying go and do that. I'm just saying that's a perfect example of, you know, how positive thinking can get you a win out on the course, quite literally, or at least help you play better on the course. Now, we're going to round it out here with the PGA Championship that's coming up. Now, if you guys are not familiar with the PGA Championship, some of you may be beginner golfers um, or just getting into golf for the first time. The PGA Championship is not actually an, uh, an event that is a PGA Tour event. It's the actual organization of the Professional Golfers Association of America. It's their event. So the two have actually split. I think they split around 1968. PGA Tour went to do professional golf touring in the PGA of America. Uh, basically handles a lot of like the professional golfers who give classes and things like that. So they're two separate entities. This is why live golfers from the live golf tour can compete. Now there's a gentleman that uh, comments quite frequently on the podcast. His name is Jeff Mosbrucker. Jeff, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, he left a comment saying that he is pulling for DJ. Dustin Johnson's a fantastic player, and I would agree that uh, he has a very good shot of winning the PGA Championship. He performed fantastic on um, this past weekend at Oklahoma, and uh, dude, can. there's no doubt that he can play. Won the Masters. Obviously, he's got some great golf skill, but Jeff asked me who, would I, who I was going to pull for, and, you know, I'm thinking earlier on this year, Scotty Scheffler showed a lot of promise. And I like what he did. So I'm going to say either Scotty Scheffler from the PGA. Now, if I was going to choose a live golfer, I'm going to say Taylor Gooch, which may sound a little bit weird, um, but he won two back to back events for live. And he, you know, when he gets on a heater, he can really play. So I'm going to say, you know, Taylor Gooch. And then, of course, my wild card, just because I really, really like the guy, Ricky Fowler. Okay. Now, Ricky. Fowler needs to stay in the top 50 of the official world golf rankings to be safe and to actually be able to qualify and play in the PGA Championship. So he's getting close because it's not too far away, but he needs to stay up there to make sure that he guarantees his spot to play in that championship. I really want to see him play, and I would love to see him pull like a major upset, come from behind, you know, Back nine on Sunday, just hammering out the birdies and and winning the whole thing. I would absolutely love to see it, and I hope he does it in full-blown orange. Let's see some fiery orange out there on Sunday, Ricky. Guys, thank you so much for listening. That's all I've got for you today. I appreciate you joining the podcast. Please leave a rating or review. It really helps out the pod, and I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, keep on swinging. 